back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our agencies. Welcome one last time to Happy Porch Radio Season 2. Sadly, this is the last of the season. Season 2 has been all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. We've heard from a number of agency owners, developers, designers and other experts, and it has been a really fun season. I hope that you have found it as valuable as I have. For this last episode, I have invited two good friends, Carol and Andra, to join me to share their experiences of CodeGarden, which is the biggest Umbraco event of the year. Carol is a web developer based in Glasgow, Scotland, and she's a meetup organiser, blogger, event speaker, and is very active in the Umbraco community, and generally is an all-round inspiring person. Andre is a key part of the team here at Endzone, and he's an Umbraco package developer who cares deeply about using technology for social good. So it's a real honour for me to have them both on the show and, for, and to share our experiences of CodeGarden. So let's meet Carol and Andre. I'm Carol Logan. I'm a web developer in Glasgow in Scotland and I've been working with Umbraco for about four years now and I run our local Glasgow Umbraco meetup. And and we've also, Andre, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Andre Pialik. For those who don't know, I'm working with Barry O'Kane at Endzone Software and we are a specialist web development agency working with purpose-driven creative agencies to solve tough problems and most of our work is focusing on Umbraco and we are also very active in the open source community as well. We've created, for instance, USplit, which is a A-B testing solution from Umbraco and I'm really excited to be here. Cool, thanks. And I appreciate you both coming on and doing this last little fun episode of Happy Porch Radio Season 2. So let's start at the beginning. What is CodeGarden or how would you describe <laughs> CodeGarden? Not just the experience, but where it fits within the community. Something that I heard at CodeGarden was one of the participants trying to explain what CodeGarden is to his peers, to his colleagues. He said that nobody would really understand what CodeGarden is if he would just label it as a web conference or web development conference because it's really unique. So the word that he found was really matching was a festival. So uh, it's like a gathering of like-minded people and it's not just your like uh, you know normal conference where you just come and sit and listen to talks and then go and try to do some networking and in a really uptight environment, but this is like a get-together of folks that are really devoted to this community and just brainstorming about ideas and having a genuinely good time. So I like I really found that fitting. Yeah, I agree. It's really hard to explain to someone what Code Garden is or when you get back to work, you know, what was it like? Because it's not just like a, a normal tech conference that you go to. You get to chat to more people and it's kind of less stuffy I guess and you just leave really motivated and wanting to be involved and so I think that's a I think the festival description is quite good why did you choose to go before before either of you went to the first one the first time you went why did you decide you wanted to go 
Well, I probably had a bit of a different way of getting to Code Garden last year because I saw on Twitter that Umbraco had an incentive to get more women to attend because obviously at tech conferences there's not many of us and I I got a ticket through that and that was how I ended up at Code Garden last year and I had watched videos of previous years before but maybe didn't quite have the courage to go or to try and convince um, my boss or whatever but it kind of gave me the push to like okay I'll just go and yeah I'm really glad I went but it's, and then straight away after last year I bought a ticket for this year because I I enjoyed it so much and left really motivated and was really grateful that I had got that ticket to be able to go and experience it. Um, Carol from White, um, how long was your like exposure to Umbraco before you decided to go? Did you work with Umbraco before? Yeah, yeah, I'd worked with Umbraco for like three years at that point. And I was already, like I say, watching videos from previous Code Gardens and, and keeping up with, with latest news, but maybe wasn't so involved and had never been to any of the conferences, even the UK one or anything. That's interesting because like our experience with Barry, you know, we went together, was slightly different in a way because we started working with Umbraco that year when we went, that was last year. And we were, we were just having so many ideas about like useful plugins. And we also really liked the community around the forums. And so we thought like, well, the best way to see if either we can make money out of plugins or just to see what's happening in that community would be to go to this conference. So we decided to go and I'm really grateful that we did because in many ways it helped us to solidify our ideas. And it's just when they say that the Umbraco community is really, really friendly and most of the people have exposure to that only online, but when you actually see it in person, it's a it's a whole different level. So I'm really grateful that we did decide to go. But it was mainly motivated, as I said, by um, package development initially. Yeah, interesting. And I want to just jump back and Carol, t- tell me if you don't want to talk about this, but the gender balance thing and, and getting more women involved. And Braco have been working, I think, quite hard on that over the last couple of years. Do you think that for you personally, has that impacted your work with Umbraco at all? Or is it just, you know, this thing that's happening at the side? You know? Yeah, it seems like they are making an effort, which is awesome because a lot of the big companies don't really seem to care or they don't know where to start or, or I don't know the reasons. But getting the the fact that they, they had this initiative, they clearly saw that the numbers and their ticket sales, just there was a big gap there and they've, they've done something to try and fill it. So they, they give away so many tickets. I'm not sure of the exact number every year. And even from last year was my first year to this year, the number of, of women there was so much more. I know that there was more people in general at Co Garden, but anyway, there was so many more. So it seems like they are trying to address the, the imbalance. And even with speakers as well, they've made an effort to, to find women speakers as well, which is always really appreciated when you're in the audience and you're you're at the conference, if you can see someone like you up there giving a talk then it kind of motivates you and makes you think that, that maybe I could do that um, so yes they do seem to be making an effort to be more inclusive which is really appreciated and to anybody who's listening who isn't aware Carol spoke at this year's Code Garden so we're going to talk about that in a minute <laughs> but the other thing I remember is from last year is you kickstarting a little conversation about committing to the core and getting involved in actually maybe with uh, with the code or with the other parts but actually in terms of the open source community actually getting involved and I remember you and several other people talking about 
the the sort of confidence hurdle in order to be able to do that and you've mentioned that again there in terms of speakers and you know feeling more confident because you're seeing you know for example female speakers or any type any like non-technical people of different experience levels whatever the thing is that we can uh, that you feel connected to that maybe gives you that confidence do, do you think that was different from this year last year do you and secondly do you feel that's different in the umbraco community versus other tech communities yeah i think just in general i find contributing or the idea last year of contributing to open source and basically letting other people see your code it just gives me the fear it's I just thought it was me or not just me but you know it's a confidence thing of oh I couldn't possibly do that or that's really intimidating or these people that contribute you know they'll judge my code and things like that but once you get speaking to people and you realize that that one other people feel the same as you and two the people that you're that are going to be reviewing it or the people that contribute so like really heavily to the community they're not going to judge you and and they actually really want to help so loads of people after I mentioned that came up and tried to give advice on how to get started or tell their stories of how they got started contributing and things like that so everyone's really encouraging and helping you get started in contributing giving you advice which is really nice. Okay so let's talk a little bit about this year's Code Guard, Code Guard 2017. For either of you, what would be one or two things that really stood out that you really liked that were your favorite parts of the conference, of the festival? Well, I guess I'm, I'm kind of going to uh, relate to what Carl just said, and that's the community contributions. In two of their talks, they mentioned how they're really pushing hard for community PRs and that there's been over, I don't know, I think 140 accepted PRs, which was really impressive. And they're trying really hard to promote that side of Umbraco. Of course, it's an open source project, so anybody can contribute. However, as Carol said, just getting over your, or out of your comfort zone to do that, you know, pull request to submit your work, especially if you don't really know the core or the project itself and you're just learning, is a really difficult thing to do. And I, I've, I've seen uh, like some of the talks and also some of the open session topics were talking about how to make Umbraco more approachable to, let's say, ordinary developers. And I really like that aspect where they seem to, they always say that they genuinely care about the community, but when you actually see it in action, it speaks volumes. And I think, you know, that Umbraco is really successful for this community participation and I really like to see how they're pushing this even further. For instance, on our website, armbraco.com, they recently revamped it and they added like profile pictures of uh, all the contributors to Umbraco, even from the community. So I hope that we'll see more of our own faces there, including like Carol's, for instance. So that was one thing that I really liked. I really liked that part as well. It seemed like a kind of, I don't know, if it was to everyone else, but it seems like a recurring theme was, was contribution right from the keynote through to the, the Friday open sessions. I think there was a lot of chat around um, community and contribution and just encouraging, like you say, through the, the new things on Error where they pull through from GitHub and also adding the meetups to Error as well so that it pulls from meetup.com and you can actually see all the, the local Umbraco events happening. And yeah, and then in the open sessions, it was a lot of them were based on 
how can we collaborate better and how can we make use of such a big community even if we are spread around the world? I think a lot of people shy away from contributing to open source projects because in in many ways it's like let's say like a black hole where you sure you do something you maybe improve one part but then nothing really comes out of that for yourself personally so it's really hard to justify that extra time you spend but i think what umbraco is doing is really empowering all those developers who are willing to contribute by you know making their work you know well known and appreciating their help in in many ways so then you know if you do spend time and you create something useful then people do recognize you and you know you can put it on your cv for instance or you know just build your let's say fame around that so that's why i really like yeah i also really liked the kind of maybe less cody parts of the conference so there's the runner club in the morning but also the the mindfulness sessions that were before i think the thursday and the friday so there were sessions on just how to cope maybe with social anxiety or confidence issues ahead of the actual day of the conference so you could go into the conference and maybe feel more comfortable speaking to new people or um, for me it was good because I went to the mindfulness session the morning of the day I was doing my talk so it kind of helped me chill out a wee bit but yeah I thought like a programming conference having a running club and mindfulness sessions and yoga isn't really something you see when you go to normal conferences and I think that shows maybe why it is more of a festival than a conference because it's not really the type of activity you should associate with programmers maybe. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting there that neither of you, when I asked the question, what's the one or two things that come to mind as your favourite parts, neither of you mentioned, you know, learning something about the technology or <laughs> or some, anything code directly related. Yeah, like some of the sessions I have come away and I've, I've learned loads and I've spent my own time looking into, but I guess those are the things that if you watch the videos back, you could learn about, you know, whereas actually the standout things about going as an experience and, you know, being part of the community and, and these other activities, like I mentioned. But yes, some of the sessions I've taken a lot from as well. So I really liked that there was a kind of, they broke it into different themes and that one of them was security because it's always something that we get asked about by clients and it's just always a general concern that developers have to look at. And yeah, there was, there was a lot of really cool talks that I've also missed because there was clashes so i'm looking forward to all the videos going up yes i agree with that uh, by the way some of the videos are already live if you go to codegarden17.com schedule there's the one those that are live are from the main stage right now and i'm hoping that they'll be adding more videos because for instance i missed your talk and i'm really looking forward to see that but unfortunately <laughs> haven't had luck yet but i do agree with what you said and one thing I think that this year it wasn't that code heavy as it was last year. I think, you know, they tried to get more like marketers and business owners involved as well, because I think that's one of the focuses of Umbraco over the past year, just to make it more marketable and competing with the other CMSs and just generally like raising the awareness. And I think they're doing a really good job. So this year there's been much more focus on marketing and also from our own survey, Barry, we found out that people, like one of the hurdles with working with Umbraco is actually the lack of marketing tools or the perceived lack of those. So it's really interesting that the HQ are also looking into that and trying to push 
push that and just increase the awareness of that amongst the community. So a lot of the talks weren't necessarily coding related, but I went to, to these more than to those coding related because I was I wanted to know more about you know how you can build a successful business around Umbraco. Okay, so let's put you both on the spot and pick one talk or one presentation that you most enjoyed or that you feel that you learned the most from. Well, <laughs> I just said that I went to the marketing talks more than the code talks. And here I am saying that the best talk was probably Umbrangular, back office Angular directives. It was uh, given by Rune and Matt. And for me, it was most interesting because as a package developer, finding documentation around building your own package, most of the tutorials go into the basic level, but then a lot of the plugins, I think, lack in terms of how they integrate into Umbraco. You know, they have their own UIs and things. And these guys showed how easy it is to get a plugin that like natively fits into Umbraco and you know, makes it really outstanding. And they, a uh, common theme in their talk was, well, it's documented here, it's documented here, but you need to know about these places where you can find those. And it's not like there's a, like a tutorial where they would say, well, this is how you build a nice looking page with all these directives. You just go to, like, as if you open the Visual Studio and navigate it to, like, a class help or something, which is too technical and, out of context. So they did a really good job, I think, helping package developers to figure out how to do a nice looking UI there. Yeah, and for me, like, I always like the, that there's the keynote and then there's Shannon's talk on core and what they've been up to because obviously that's what impacts the product that we're actually using every day. But other than that, I really liked Matt Brailsford's talk on progressive web apps. It's probably the one that I learned most and I've taken most from already going back to work and chatted through some of the things I learned there with the team at Equator as well so I think that was probably the one I learned most from. I did want to add though that you know the talks are just one part of Umbraco and they span like two-thirds of the conference but then there's the last day when there's this opening circle and open space sessions which do add a tremendous amount of value to the conference as well and also in i guess in in the spirit of you know open community they just open up the space for all the participants to talk about issues that they deem are important and then that's where i th- i think personally all the hard conversation happens and that's where you learn from the peers as well so that's also something that i really enjoyed one of which being uh, the mindful mindfulness session by Chris, which made me regret not going to those mindful morning sessions. Yeah, I really agree. I think that that's open space sessions, they, they are always really valuable. And the, the conversations and the depth of conversations and the sharing. That, for example, is where, um, when we mentioned before, Carl sharing the how do we get people to contribute <laughs> um, conversation kicked off last year. Yeah, I find the, the Friday maybe one of the most enjoyable parts. For that reason, you get chatting to people that are interested to have a bit of background for people who haven't been as generally a, a time slot. There are three different open sessions happening and you just go along to the one that most interests you. There's no real agenda and they last, I think, oh, half an hour-ish. I can't remember. Yeah, and you just go along to the one that's most relevant to you and it's just a open circle and everyone 
that wants to contribute towards the conversation does. And yeah, I think it's one of the most valuable bits of the conference and probably where I've learned most and got chatting to people that, that I have common interests with as well. So I want to, there's two areas I'd like to touch on and I want to come back to what you were saying a little moment ago, Carol, about taking stuff back to, you know, from the conference and taking it back and sharing it with your team and the company. But before we touch on that, would you mind sharing a little bit about the story of how you ended up being a speaker this year? Sure. I'm not really sure. It's a, it just kind of happened. No. So I went last year and obviously met a bunch of people and everyone's been really friendly and stayed in touch on, on Twitter and social media and stuff. And I came home and was just trying to think of different ways that we can use Umbraco. And I've got an interest in IoT and general rather than just websites, like what else can we do with the internet? And I'd already been playing with these little beacon things around my flat and I'd already built a little app with that just for fun really, just to see what I could do with them. And I had integrated this with Umbraco so that the mobile phone app, instead of just being static content, I could then get the content from an Umbraco API. So I was asked to write a blog post for you know, the 24 days of Umbraco at Christmas. If people haven't heard of that, then you should keep an eye out at Christmas time because it's like an Umbraco advent calendar. It's great. Yeah, so I decided to use that as a topic because I didn't know what to write about. And I just wrote about that little app that I made. And then a couple of months later, I was asked to talk about IoT and Umbraco at CodeGarden. And I, yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. It just kind of... All of a sudden, I was standing up there in front of people, and I don't really know exactly how I got there. <laughs> but it's crazy, like, in a year to think that if I hadn't just chanced it and got, you know, a chance of the, the ticket on Twitter, that a year later I would be able to go up and speak in front of everyone. It's a bit crazy when you think about it. Yeah, and cool. But, I mean, it's a symptom, as you say, putting yourself out there and getting involved. And your talk, I, I did see your talk, and it and it I, it was really good. Um, the content and this and the work that you're doing and sharing, and the, the way you shared the story, I thought was was very cool. And even with the terrible, nearly headless joke, <laughs> I found it hilarious, and that is all that matters. If I make myself laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but for context, what we're uh, the for for those listening, what we're talking about there is using Umbraco as a headless CMS, so it's not directly connected to what the content's doing, but the content's going out over an API and used in different things. Mobile apps is the most common usage of that. But also then you shared some other cool use cases. And maybe you just sort of very quickly give us an example. Yeah, sure. So I work at Equator, a digital agency based in Glasgow. And we have been doing some IoT-based stuff with so Alexa skills. So for the Amazon Echo, that you can speak to Alexa and the content that it speaks back to you actually comes from an API call and it's content managed in Umbraco. That's for one of our hotel clients, Village Hotels. And also in their hotel lobbies, they've got these big billboard screens that we, again, decided to suggest that they could use Umbraco to content manage that and that that way they could have different content at different times of the day um, or different day of the week in each hotel that would advertise it was relevant to that time of the day. And they absolutely loved it because it went from being, okay, we'll just put the equivalent of a, you know, an offline leaflet 
but on a big screen. It, it went to this content managed thing that can be contextual to the time of day. And it's, it looks really good as well. Like it looks really awesome when you see it in the hotel lobby. Yeah, and as I say, when your video's there, we can all go and uh, hear, hear the story of that. But the thing that I think is interesting about that is the, the basic concept of being able to share content from one place or, or, or within Umbraco and use it in multiple different, um, very imaginative and very different ways that are bringing value to the clients and to the projects that we're working on. Yeah, and because they already know Umbraco, because they already have their main actual website hosted in Umbraco, they know it. a lot of the content is already there, um, so they can manage it in one place. And if you have to change you know, your terms and conditions or something, then it can be changed across all of your places that a customer might see those. And yeah, it's, it's easier for the content editors, but it's also better for us as developers because we all have to build it once. So that does neatly segue to the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is the value that you, having attended something like this or Code Garden or one of the other Umbraco events, the value that you bring back. And I guess basically my question is, how valuable do you think that experience is for you guys for when you're back in you know, normal operation, normal work, basically. I think it's been really valuable. So after last year, I, I took back so much personally, just from putting myself in a situation I'd never been in before. It kind of helped my confidence in speaking to new people and also in my technical abilities that I was able to go and speak to people about techie stuff. And I actually knew what they were talking about and, and was able to share knowledge with them. But also from the talks last year, I was able to come back and so there was a few about personalization and that's always something that, that we have clients asking about and I was able to then take back what I learned and share that with the team and then help put that into different projects. So I think it definitely, you, the learnings that you're able to take back and also the the connections that you make in the community as well, it definitely helps even day to day if if you've got a problem that you can put ask someone on Twitter if you know oh Barry's worked on that before I can ask him that or you can put it on the Slack channel I think the connections that you make are probably one of the the best parts of going to Code Garden as well as the actual technical talks yeah and I think you know given the fact that the community is this small you really have pretty much the whole community there at one place and for instance the folks from HQ are really approachable this year, they had a stand uh, where you could ask anything about uh, Umbraco Cloud, which is something we're considering for our new project. So I was really excited. I was able to speak with guys from HQ and asking some questions that seemed tough, but you know, they build the tool, so they will have all the answers that you need. So that was really helpful. And also, Usplit, the plugin, the A-B testing plugin, uses personalization groups as well for segmentation. And... It was really helpful that I could speak with Andy Butland, who's also very active in the community. He's the author of personalization groups. And also, I think, the second most active community contributor to Umbraco CMS. So, you know, you don't really get to meet these people outside or only virtually. But if you can strike conversations with them in person, I think that's a really valuable thing. Okay, so... To people listening who maybe haven't attended Code Garden, what advice would you give them? I mean, other than just, hey, you should go, 
you know, what advice would you give them in terms of how to, for example, talk to their company about going and to demonstrate that value and to get over that confidence hurdle of actually going and into a big room of, of very often a big room of strangers? I'm not sure. Didn't they have these leaflets for developers to give their managers to, you know, sell the conference to them? Well, I met Mark at the conference and he, for instance, decided to buy the ticket himself. And only then was lucky to find out that the company he works for was willing to fund his way. So in a way, that's a dedication that you probably see only on conferences like this. It has a reputation, the conference. So if you look at some of the tweets, I'm not going to spoil it for people. And also I wouldn't do a good job. But it's quite a treat to go, to be honest. And it's hard to convey in words, so you better need, you need to experience that for yourself. But I think that the best way to enjoy the conference really is to come the, the one day early and also not leave on the last day because there's also some extra activities happening, like the opening circle. And also this year they had Beta Garden, like a hackathon style of things, which unfortunately I missed, but I wish I wouldn't. So it's just much more than those two or three days of, of conferencing. So arrive early and leave early. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the socialising part is such an important part of it as well as getting to know people. So I think the advice would be try to, It's really scary. I know it's really scary. I, I went last year and I d- didn't go to the pre-party, for example, at HQ because I was too scared and didn't know anyone and I'm not great in social situations. But I went this year and yeah, I, know I, f- I knew a few more people, but everyone's so, so welcoming and friendly that even if you don't know anyone just people will welcome you in the last coup you are and they'll introduce you to other people that they think you might get on with and that, that work on similar things to you and I think it's really easy to just say yeah don't be scared go and do it but that kind of is my advice it's yeah it's it's okay to be scared and to be a bit anxious but if you just try and push through and and go I think it will it will really help people's confidence and in the social side of things but also in, in the technical side of things as well because it, it's really helped me with my confidence from one year to the other I, I can see a big change and the food is delicious it is you're right yeah um, not to mention the prayer so uh, in one of the previous episodes I, I we were talking a couple of different episodes we talked about attending conferences and as a, as a personal sort of professional development and how important that that is and I'd sort of to echo what you both are saying there I think it's so important both as the company the agency to encourage people uh, to, your team to be part of these communities to develop and become stronger and more confident uh, developers in this case um, but also as an individual, I think it's one of the best ways to become more confident, to, be, to become more confident and become better at your job, and therefore enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what about next year? Are you both going to go again? I hope so. Are you? So I'm always, I'm always unsure whether I should go or not. But then I go, and I, I'm really thrilled. So, I guess that's the answer. So maybe I'm sure we'll speak to you before then. But we'll maybe see you at uh, Go Garden 2018. I hope so. Thank you both. I really appreciate your time, Carol and Andre, joining me. As I said, this is the last episode of season two, and um, I really appreciate your time. It's been really fun talking. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. You can find Carol and Andre on Twitter. 
I'll put the links in the show notes on happyporchradio.com. In particular, Carol is very happy for anyone who wants any advice about going to events like Cold Garden or being intimidated generally to reach out. Huge thanks to both Carol and Andra for being on the show. We've now come to the end of Season 2. So if you missed any of the amazing guests, then do check out happyporchradio.com to find all the episodes, podcast subscription links, show notes, and much more. And we'll see you in Season 3, when I'll be exploring a whole new topic. <laughs> <laughs>